0: On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Sidetracks the unscripted and unruly series where we share with you what we've been watching and whether it's worth your time. This is the Grouse House Girls Podcast. I am Brittany. This is Sidetracks on the Grindhouse Girls podcast. The Barbenheimer episode. Barbenheimer, yeah. Barbenheimer, Barbenheimer, Barbenheimer. Anyways. Someone actually said that on Instagram. They were like,
1: yeah, Barbenheimer is the closest thing adults have to school spirit week. And I'm like, oh, that's a
0: good analogy. I like that. It's very true. I'm very excited. It was very exciting. I, I barbied and then I heimered. I did and it in I did that the, order. And I
1: opposite, so I did the Heimer and then I did the Barbie. So, so you
0: heimer barbie
1: Yeah. heimer barbie
0: Oh, I just said Hyman again. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I, know.
1: I actually like the order I did it in.
0: What about you, Katie? How do you feel about the order you did it in? I think because of the time of day I saw Oppenheimer, I enjoyed both of them. I saw both of them as matinees. So, I was awake when I saw Oppenheimer. And I think that made a difference. So, I liked it. I was wide awake. So, we saw the 7.30 p.m. on Friday.
1: After, Uh AMC always gets their movies on Thursday. But technically, Friday is opening day nationwide. So, we saw that Friday, 7.30 which means our showing got out around 10.30, 11-ish. If I had gone any later than 7.30, I would have probably been one sleepy person. But I actually, I felt pretty good by the end of it. Like, I was tired, but not, like, distracted by my tiredness.
0: Yeah, I, it, it didn't feel as long as it was, I will yeah. say, for Oppenheimer. I, I expected to feel a little bored, and I didn't. I did have to pee, though, during the movie, which I actually is not usually what I have to do.
1: I actually in the pee one time too, and I don't think I've ever ran so fast to the bathrooms in my entire <laughs> life.
0: I, you know what? I was okay. Um, cause Scott was in the seat and we were, he had to, he had to pee twice. He actually dozed off a couple times in Oppenheimer. Really? Not for long. Not for long. He just like started to go to sleep and he immediately woke up. I didn't know this until afterwards. It wasn't noticeable at all. I didn't, but I don't usually fall asleep in public watching movies. If I'm at home, I will fall asleep on a couch, even if I really like the movie. It's just how I am. But, like, if I'm in public, I tend to get energized by like, being in public, because I'm an extrovert and I get, like, don't fall asleep usually. But, I will say, my hot take of both of them, my very quick hot take, is, Oppenheimer was a film. Barbie was an experience. That's how I felt. I, I, I really liked Oppenheimer a lot. I, and They're very different. I can't compare the two. Oppenheimer was a really, really well-made film. But it wasn't anything I hadn't seen before from Christopher Nolan. And Barbie was also a really great film. It wasn't even that it was new. It was just like, because, you know, we all dressed in pink. We went out and got drinks and ate a little lunch before we went out, and then we took pictures in our pink. And there were, you know, Barbie boxes to take pictures. We went to Sidewalk Cinema. Thank you, Sidewalk Cinema, and Pluto TV for sponsoring yeah. their weekend. And they the were free towels Dawes and Barbie—they gave yeah. us free towels. It was a whole experience. And like I was laughing, and everyone was cheering in the theaters. And like, it, like it was, it was like a little community. Whereas, like yeah. Oppenheimer was very much like you know, you were in your group, and the, and I was, like, sitting next to someone, which usually I have a buffer between me and the next person, unless it's a really crowded movie. I mean, it was a crowded theater, but hardly anyone laughed or giggled at anything in Oppenheimer, and there was comedy, and I think maybe that was, like, I was kind of like, because there were parts where I was like, ha, and nobody else was laughing. Yeah, I, um, yeah, it's, so both
1: movies, I think I agree with you. You can't, really compare them in the least i mean they'll always endlessly be compared because of the barbenheimer effect but they're nothing really alike (laughs) i will say and i've heard this time and time again like you know oppenheimer is a cinematic achievement me personally i will say i think it's actually chris nolan's most personal film probably because it's like you know because most of his movies are very very action-oriented and obviously the yes. trinity test which is the centerpiece of this movie that's very action-oriented but the movie is more about Oppie. If I can call him that, yeah. than anything else. So it feels like largely yeah. personal because it's about his life. It's like, and I, I think there's so many important conversations that happen in that movie that are still happening today because of the events yeah. that happened during Oppenheimer's life.
0: But yeah, it's it also seemed like his most narratively, uh, most easy to understand film of all time because he tends to do things where it's like, like Inception, where it's like, how many dream levels are we at? Or Tenant, which apparently, I still haven't seen Tenant, Nothing made sense, sense, you know. And not, I guess, ba- and Batman has twist upon twist upon twist. So, like, this one was, like, very easy to follow. And it was, like, told in a very simple narrative fashion. And not that that's a bad thing. It's not a bad simplicity. When you're talking about crazy, like, big scientific theories it's best to keep the story as simple as you possibly can
1: yeah and that's how like you were talking about twist and the prestige still has like one of my favorite oh, yeah, twists yeah, ever that, I forgot film. about the prestige oh my god I my love Chris Nolan seen- movie <laughs> I think I've seen so someone out there is gonna silently scream because I think I've seen every Nolan film with the exception of two I haven't seen Tenet and I haven't seen Memento and a lot of people Memento is like his directorial a lot of people say Memento is probably his best movie Um, that's like a hot button issue, but, uh,
0: yeah, I love
1: podcast one day. Memento. I've heard nothing but good things about Memento, but, um, I loved Oppenheimer and I guess, let's get into slight spoilers i don't want to okay. ruin the entire movie especially because the ending i don't know how you feel about the ending katie i felt like the last bit of dialogue was like a sucker punch to me like it was so fucking powerful it just made the entire movie for me um
0: i loved I don't it remember what the last bit said honestly uh, oh, so oh it didn't god. have that impact on me oh my god and that's so funny.
1: <laughs> it's Sorry. so no it's okay it's okay it's so funny that's just like I I love I'm a very like dialogue heavy person I feel like Cillian was like so perfect for this role because it's like a lot of his acting's through his like giant blue eyes and it's like he's constantly looks like he's on like the verge of tears at some point or they're like very watery and the acting's so good but let me Oh, by the of, way, it's Killian. Like, Killian. kill. You know what? Me and, uh, me and Jonathan were actually discussing that because I heard it was like Killian. And he goes, but I think he said, like, there's a beer called Killian. And he's
0: like, that's with a K. And I was no, like, it's still Killian. I I, I watched a video of him pronouncing his own name. Okay, good. Okay. Yes. I'm glad you I watched the video. I had I a friend whose little brother's la- name was Killian and it's but it was with a K and then there was the beer Killian's. But I was like, there's no cause I've been calling him Cillian Murphy for years. Yeah. And I was finally like, Is it Killian? And he was like, It's Killian. And I was like, tight. Thank I'm you. glad I'm glad you saw him pronounce that because I actually I had read
1: that somewhere, but I didn't fact check it. And so then Jonathan was like, no, 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 I don't think it's yeah, killing. Sorry, so. Jonathan.
0: I, I went straight to the horse's mouth because I didn't trust anyone else but him because I don't
1: know. I cannot emphasize enough how much I do think Oppenheimer is an incredible movie. I absolutely loved it. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., come on, man. Like, even just, like, Rami fucking Malik, who literally won the Academy Award for Best Actor for <laughs> Bohemian okay. Rhapsody, is a Wait. big part. Like, so many great actors. Wait, let
0: me just say, let me just say, you know Rami Malik is my boy, because I am one of the Mr. biggest Robot. Mr. Robot stands. He, and I, he totally deserved the Oscar. And I remember leaning in, because literally the first two scenes with Rami Malik, he barely says a word at men, like, Oppenheimer like knocks something out of his hands a clipboard out of his hands and he just like bumbles with it and I was just like and I just lean over to Scott and I go Oscar winner Rami Malek I was like are you fucking kidding me and then he finally gets to say something towards the end and he he's a really like good plot point that they save until the end and I was like thank fuck because like I was like if you cast Rami Malek and you don't use him well I would have thrown a fucking hissy fit but I will say, with all the celebrities, it was a great cast. Everyone did a fantastic job, except for Robert Downey Jr. and Killian Murphy. There's a couple exceptions like Robert Downey Jr., Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, and Truman, uh, Gary Oldman as Truman, and a couple of the other scientists. I was distracted. Like Matt Damon did a great job, but he was very Matt Damon, and it was distracting. And Robert Downey Jr. did a good job of not looking like Robert Downey Jr. But uh, it was too many celebrities. And I know that everyone wants to work with Chris Nolan. But it was like, to me, I got lost in the shuffle of going, oh, I love that actor. Oh, I love that actor. Yeah, because at actor. one point,
1: you're like, so Josh Peck is literally the one that presses the button on the Trinity test. Yeah. And you're just like, naked <laughs> Like, you know, because I loved and Josh when I was a teenager. I was like, but, hey. And then there's like Jack Quay playing
0: the bongos.
1: But like, yes. And he did a great
0: job. There's just so many recognizable faces. It was almost too many recognizable faces. Now,
1: like, okay, so I will get into something that, like, bothers me greatly in just a second. But, like, I do think it's cool. If you go to the Wikipedia page for Oppenheimer, you see all these celebrities. Every single one of them, pretty much, they're, like, you'll see the actor, and then you'll see the character they're playing, and there will be a link because all these scientists, even, like, the ones with, like, five minutes of screen time are all, like, Pulitzer Prize winners, right? So, it's, like, he is, yeah. like, all these actors are, are playing, like, legitimate, like, these were important people in science. And even though they just played this very small role in Oppenheimer's life, like, their contributions to the field were just astronomical. So, my one hot take is so, and I know you listen, you and Scott listen to a major podcast, and I I have a hard time listening. I'm a a reader-type person, so I've read, like, multiple articles before watching Oppenheimer because Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to be lost. Like, if for some reason something's going to turn me around, nothing did in this movie. I think it was very eloquently written, and it wasn't confusing, but I was like, I still want to know, like, who's who, who's the relation, all that. Yeah. So... We know that Gene, that Gene Tadlock, I think is how you pronounce. Oppenheimer, Tadlock, yeah. So Florence Pugh's character. And that's that was Oppie's lover before he met his wife Kitty. And then they mm-hmm. had on-again, off-again thing while he was married to Kitty. So it's like, I feel like this is a real flesh-and-blood woman. And then there's Florence Pugh. She's an incredible actor. I do not like how they really wrote her character because I felt like she wasn't fleshed out really, and that's not Florence's like it's not Florence's fault that the that the part wasn't fleshed
0: out. But yeah. so far, sample. She was know, a very interesting person though in real life.
1: Well, you know that like that Jean introduced him to like the poet that, like, wrote Near My God to Thee, where the Trinity's test name came from. And so, like, there's this moment where he, like, he, was re- he like, quotes Near My God to Thee, and he names the test Trinity. But you have no discern You're, like, there's nothing to say that that came from Jean. There's no, like, saying yeah. that she was the one that introduced it to him. And every time you see her, she's, like, pretty much, like, Oh, I don't know what I want. Like, that's, like, how she's written, right? And it's, like, they had this very complex relationship. And then I think it's kind of a disservice because 50% of the time we see Florence, she's nude, too. And not saying she's not a beautiful woman, that she's just not gorgeous. She is. And I don't have a problem with nudity. But you definitely have this kind of, like... You, every time you see Florence as Jean, she's like this kind of sexual temptress who doesn't really know what she wants. Every time you see Kitty, she's like this stressed out mom. And you really don't get And an get alcoholic. This... Yes. And Emily does not really get her chance to shine until the last 20 minutes of the movie during the interrogation scene. And yeah. she's like absolutely brilliant. But I was like, you have all these amazing male actors with all these amazing roles. And I feel like the women kind of just don't get really to shine in the movie, like
0: the no. And it would be one thing if they didn't put them on every single press junket, like they had a big part in the movie. But like to pretending that you have these two strong women characters and not giving them a lot is frustrating. It's kind of like we've talked about how Martin Scorsese films, yeah, often have very small female parts, and it's not that. women are even treated badly it's just why even have them if you're not gonna like give them anything to do it's kind of like they're decorative and the thing is with jean like i read up on her a lot because she was a very interesting person she had a lot of mental health struggles she probably was bipolar it seems and struggled with clinical depression but also like she was struggling with her sexual identity as well like she thought i believe if i'm not crazy that she kind of, like, she went through some weird therapies um, to try to, like, quote-unquote, cure her. But that didn't work. Or is that her girl? I don't know. Hold on. Maybe it wasn't Jean. But I thought it was her. But she was a communist for sure. Do, do, do. I do like... Maybe- this- oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. As part of her training, yes. Yes. Okay, so... She had a, she had a relation. She's plausible, according to uh, Wikipedia, that she had a relationship with Mary Ellen Washburn. As a psychiatrist in training, she was required to undergo psychoanalysis and therefore consulted Siegfried Bernfield as part of her training. In the 1940s, homosexuality was seen as a pathological condition to overcome, which may have led to her eventual suicide. So that was a huge part of her suicide was that she was struggling with thoughts, like uh, she was probably bisexual and didn't think that that was acceptable in that day's society. And so that got a lot of, like, it, it caused a lot of grief for her. No, but I they don't th- even touch on that. And yeah. I'm like... Jeez. And I do know, because I do
1: know, like, when you have a movie that's very biographical and it's, like, it's three hours long and you don't need it to be four or five hours long. I get that there's parts that need to be cut, but I'm very curious why, why, like, going back to, like, why they couldn't show her introducing him to that poem, which gave him the idea to call the Trinity Test Trinity. Right, because
0: then, th- but- that's an important thing that he named it after something that she told him, because obviously... She meant a lot to him. Exactly. Like, it's obviously... Here's this... They're on the precipice of changing humanity
1: forever. And the one thing he thinks about is his dead lover. Like, that is such an important thing. And the fact that they... It also made
0: her seem a little desperate.
1: Yeah, that's... Okay, The one thing I do kind of like, even though it's very, very... It's like, it's literally just like a three-second frame. So there is like conspiracy theories. And actually, it was Mm Jean's brother that first said it, that maybe she was murdered. And when Oppie is envisioning her death, he sees her hold her head under the water, her own head. But then he also sees like love hands holding her under the water. Yeah. So that's very interesting. The other thing that I really didn't like, and I don't know how you felt about this scene, Katie. So we see one very like... Crystalin doesn't do sex scenes too often. And you can tell because the two in this movie are just very awkward. Uh, so it's like... <laughs> We, uh, I will say,
0: at least Killian sat fully naked with Florence Pugh in that one scene. I was like, well, at least we got a fully naked guy. Yeah, well, and okay, so like
1: that scene bothered me. Not, once again, not because of sexuality, because if you guys know anything about me, sexuality, nudity, that kind of stuff does not phase me. Obviously, Game of Thrones was one of my favorite series, so like that's not something that phases me. So we There's have
0: naked people in Game of Thrones? What? Could you believe
1: it? Right? Oh right. my God. HBO shows stuff it's like the that? Devil yeah
0: you' I
1: don't care <laughs> okay but like for reals though so it's like let's okay so let's introduce like the one of the most famous things Oppenheimer ever said which is like I have become like deaf like the the yeah. worlds. but we're gonna introduce it while we're having sex and she like very kinky reads it like has him read it to her I'm like okay yeah. that's a, that's a weird choice one two it's like We don't get any sex scenes with him and his wife. Okay, that's weird. But we'll accept it. We'll accept it. It's all about him and Jean, right? The erotic sense of whatever.
0: Do you think that maybe Emily Blunt has it in her contract that she won't do sex scenes?
1: I mean, it's it's possible but then there's like no like okay so let's say you didn't have like nudity in your contract but not even like a scene of you guys like laying in bed together talking or
0: anything yeah you don't even hear about her pregnancy and their marriage but from them you hear about it when he's telling gene yeah which makes it it which makes it seem all the more like kitty really isn't the love of his life gene is and he just fucked up
1: yeah and i think that may be something no no, I think you're right. I think that could be something that's like maybe Miley alluded to in the script. And I heard the script is written from Oppenheimer's first person point of view, which is why I want to get my hands on it so bad. But this is the thing that like bothers me. So when he's talking about Jean's, Or, yeah, Gene Steph in the interrogation scene. And he first appears nude. I'm like, I really like that. Because it's like, obviously, Oppenheimer's not this person that's very comfortable with human relationships. And so, like, for him to sit there, it's like... He's kind of a dick. Yeah. He's like, I think it's almost like when someone is so smart, they're almost out of touch
0: with humanity. Oh, I think he's on... I think he's also definitely on the spectrum of he doesn't understand when he's hurting people's feelings. Yeah. Exactly. Like, And I'm not saying he, like, because I came out of that movie thinking he could have treated some people like shit, and I think he probably just didn't take people's feelings into consideration. And I think sometimes people who are very smart and geniuses sometimes just don't have the time to also learn how to be kind and polite to people because they don't have room for that in their brain. Because they are too busy thinking up other things. Which isn't, like, there's nothing wrong with having trouble with social niceties. But he was a bit of a dick to some people. Like, unnecessarily cruel in some ways. But then not evil, because, like, at least when, like, Kitty was obviously having postpartum depression and was struggling with alcoholism, he took his kids to his friend's house instead of that also he supposedly had a had an affair with his best friends the wife of that couple that he lived with for a long time which we barely really got to meet them um ruth wasn't her name and the blonde. barely you don't see them at all like do anything but talk to each other and i was like were we supposed to know that the entire time in the movie no i do think that's like a little bit of a shock thing because they they say
1: something he goes no no he never found out about it like he says it so no so nonchalantly like it's like like oh no he never knew about it but that's like Going back to that interrogation sex scene, I like the blocking of it because it's like you know, it's like um, Kitty's imagining Gene with him, and they the women locked eyes, and that was it's like, weird. and so for me, I'm like, okay, I like the blocking that like Kitty like uh, Gene has this hold over Oppenheimer, but because of the way the women are written in this movie, it feels a little exploitative.
0: Versus, yeah, it was awkward. But I think there's a way they could have done that. Where, like, maybe he's naked and maybe Jean's just, like, behind him. Like, I feel like we didn't need to have her, like, fucking on the chair. It was a little exploitative and a little awkward. It wasn't the worst, but it was also so brief that it was like, what was the point of that? Yeah, and that's the thing. that, And I think the reason I'm bringing
1: up these issues is because, like, there's no denying this movie is so wonderfully brilliant oh and yeah so it's a great wonderfully movie. acted and i'm like you know it's gonna fucking kill an award season next year but the thing yeah. that makes me so sad is like you have such a brilliant piece of like written i i, I don't i script isn't literature i guess but it's like it's so brilliant well, it's based on a book as well yeah yeah it's based on the american prometheus but it's like it's yeah. so good And it's like, everyone will be like, this is like one of the most important films of the last like 10 years and like one of the most important movies this century. And it makes me so sad because I'm like, that is my really only baggage with this film is I just wish you had these two brilliant, brilliant actresses and I wish they had been able to be utilized to their full forces. And the crazy thing is, is this is not something I'm seeing really other reviewers say in the same way. Yeah. Which is what's gonna bring me to the Barbie half of this conversation. Barbie, Barbie, Barbie. <laughs> I was talking to a male friend and it was it isn't one of our mutual male friends, so you can feel really, really good about that, Katie. It's not someone you know. Uh <laughs> so and he had was talking to me and he said, you know, well, he was asking me about Oppenheimer. And so I was telling him, I was like, you know, yeah, it's a brilliant movie. Because he was asking if his son, who was 14, should go see it. And I was like, is he like, is he mature? Can he sit for like long bits of dialogue? Is something that's three hours going to hold his attention? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I just really want to see it. And after I had to sit for Barbie, I feel like I deserve it. I was like, jeez. I, I said, you don't like Barbie? And he's like, well, the movie just, he's like, it's not a movie that was made for me. And I was like. Okay. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know, you can hear it. He's like, and I'm not going to talk bad about it. He's like, because I'm not going to, like, take my girlfriend to Die Hard and Inspector oh, to God. like this movie. And I'm like. I love Die Hard. But that's my thing. It's like, okay. <sighs> but the thing is, as women, we are so used to seeing movies that are directed as, at men. And we mm-hmm. never really have these same complaints. That the I've seen so
0: Many well, men. you and I do, Brit. <laughs> but, like, that no, no, I'm just kidding. We do, but... But not, like, I, I okay. think there's a way to separate Barbie from that. I mean, I will say Scott kind of had a similar... Not the same take, but he was, like, Even though the movie obviously wasn't made for me. I'm not someone who grew up with Barbie. His sister was older than him, so he didn't really have Barbies around him. He still enjoyed the movie, laughed at it, had fun with it, and thought it was a good movie. He was like, would I go see it a thousand times over? No, but I enjoyed it. But I think there's a way to... There are movies that aren't quote-unquote made for me that I also enjoy. I don't think... I don't think uh, George Lucas had girls in mind, specifically little six year old girls in mind when he made Star Wars, but gosh darn it, I got hooks, man. You do have Princess Leia, and you know, like. You do. So you do. But like, at they least... also had her not wearing a bra because there were no bras in space, or so they told Carrie Fisher, which was bullshit. That is so, so stupid. Her titties could bounce around in that dress. So, well, you know, I love Carrie Fisher. She st- said this shit. So, like,. I mean, I really don't think that's what they made her as, but she became that. And because they opened it up to the possibilities. Also, they hired a fantastic actress to play her who let the character grow. Yeah, you know, but I still enjoyed it. So, it doesn't have to be, quote-unquote, made for you for you to enjoy it. Yeah,
1: and I think that's what, like, I was saying. And he, he basically told me his concerns where he was like, you know, my daughter's watching this movie. And he's like, I don't want her to think that all men are bad. And it's like so my That's not feeling what the movie was saying i don't feel that way either because yeah. spoiler for barbies guys my, slight spoilers we're not gonna spoilers. get like it's, we're not gonna get into like the meat 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 of things and spoil shit for you but just like a little bit about the movie so there's barbie land and then there's the Kens. the barbies are like very successful they're like the supreme court there's like president barbie nobel prize winning mm-hmm. barbies and stuff but the Kens aren't mistreated they aren't sexualized. They're just kind of there. They're hanging they're out. Accessories. They're accessories. They're doing... Which is, like, how so many women are and so many movies. Are treated, but, yes. But they're not, like, sexualized
0: or abused in any way. No. Like... However, the, the best part about Barbie... I was a little worried about Barbie because, basically, you know, spoilers, is... Ken discovers patriarchy. A very dumbed-down, basic version, like, exaggerated version of patriarchy. Horses. horses, And the uh, Casa... Wait. Uh, Casa casa, Loco Mojo Dojo? Yeah, Mojo Dojo Casa House. Mojo Dojo Casa House. Mojo Dojo Casa House. And he brings it back to the Kens, and they... I still don't understand how they brainwashed the Barbies, but basically... They brainwash the Barbies into thinking that the patriarchy is good. And the Barbies are like, yeah, it's been so hard, like, being president. It's kind of nice to turn my brain off. Which I'm like, oh, I get that. That's fine. And they end up, so Barbie and the human that's been playing with her, who's played by America Ferreira and America Ferreira's daughter, who's, like, over Barbie, come back. Help the Barbies crush the patriarchy by pitting the Kens against each other. But, and I was, at first I was like, oh, that kind of makes me feel like, because the Kens aren't trying to be mean. They don't hurt the Barbies. They don't abuse them, but they make them conform to what they think they want their Barbies to be. Yeah. And they, they, they make them, like, they all sing them the same song on the beach with the same guitar. And, like, they all think that all the Barbies want the same thing, just like the Barbies thought all the Kens want the same thing. Yeah. So then... They When they put everything to right, they squashed the patriarchy, the Kens, with this really awesome song, Fight Each Other. You know, there's this... I was a little bit like, ooh, is this going to be a little too 2014 feminist? Because there were some arguments that it was a little bit of an old-fashioned version of feminism. But... But they're not blaming... Issa Rae's president... What? No, no, Um, no, I'm not done. Sorry. 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 This is my point that I'm taking a very long time to get to. I'm so sorry. But Issa Rae's president, Barbie, says... You know, we're not going to go back to the way things were before. The Kens deserve to have just as much success as the Barbies do. But, you know, and they deserve representation as well. So they are perfect, but they're giving them autonomy too. And the best part is Barbie tells Ken that he needs to figure out who he is. not, And he doesn't know how to be himself without Barbie. But she kind of sets him free as it were. So he can figure that out for himself and she can figure out her own stuff. And if you'll notice Barbie's dream house, cause like Ken had taken over it, but then Barbie takes back over it. However, some of his stuff is still in there. So it's a more equal representation of both of their personalities, which I thought was a nice touch in the set design. So like, I thought to me, I wasn't saying that I didn't think the Kens are bad or the Barbies were bad. I think they both took each other for granted and made each other have these certain roles. And then they've realized, oh, maybe we all have different ideas of what we want to do with our life. And we should all have the freedom to pursue that. We- and we don't have to be the roles that were set forth for us. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I wasn't interrupting you. I was joking.
1: I said, at least they're not bleeding toxic masculinity.
0: Oh, that is true. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out, Britt. I'm yeah. sorry. I was like, I'm because so, our, our cameras are off. So I can't see Britt's face right now. <laughs> so I was just like, wait, I promise I have a point. But no, they did. It wasn't like toxic masculinity. Even it was like literally, they they knew what they were doing with the patriarchy jokes. Yeah, like and it wasn't like they're trying to be ahead. smooth about it. Sorry. Yeah. No,
1: you're good. You're good. You're good. Uh. No, and that's what I was about to say. Yeah, the movie, even though like it's bright and it's pink and it's Barbie, it's actually making a pretty deep statement about how we can hold each other back. And how, like, you know, sexism, mm-hmm. whether it's, like, a patriarchy over a matriarchy, it's, like, it can hurt both people. It can hurt both yes. genders. And so that's the thing that I don't think a lot of people got. Now, I actually have heard a few people <laughs> have, <laughs> like, slight, not complaints, but they pointed out something that I didn't even think twice about. So Barbie what? Barbie apologizes to Ken. And they're like, but Ken does But Ken doesn't apologize to Barbie. Even though he took over her house and everything, he doesn't apologize to her. And at the end of the movie, she's still comforting him about, like... I don't think she needs an apology from him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's just still very interesting that I think people have brought that up. That they're just, like, you know, she apologizes for kind of, like... Like, she makes the, like, point where she's, like, not every night had to be a girl's night. But it's still, like,
0: he took over her home. Yes, but she... I feel like... And this was my my thing, was I do think she owed him an apology because I do think that she didn't really, she kind of, I don't want to say she drove him to it, but her, her taking him for granted, if she had just listened to him beforehand and maybe, or been honest with him and been like, I don't feel that way about you, Ken, maybe it would have been not that bad. I don't know. Yeah. But he made his own decisions too. I don't think he re- necessarily needed to apologize to her verbally. I think she understood that he was sorry.
1: I do like how like Ryan Gosling, everything you've heard about Ryan Gosling is <laughs> absolutely great. true. Like he is it's incredible. Fantastic. It's amazing that our best supporting actor is probably going to come down between Ryan Gosling and Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer. I'm like. It should go to Ryan Gosling. I'm living for it. Uh, Like oh god <laughs> like oh he's so good and it's movie and i do look at his abs do you know how much work that took i just like how like sympathetic you are towards ken like in this movie and it's like it's amazing how layered the script is that can just pull emotions out of you like yeah i cried a
0: lot but but nostalgia cheers it wasn't like "Ah," it was like it was like oh also i will say okay so if you didn't know ben shapiro The guy who doesn't understand that wet-ass pussy is a good thing. He went to see Barbie, dressed like Ken. And uh, he burned Barbie and Ken and did a 48-minute video about it. And I was like, I will say at least the man went to the fucking theater. Because there's a bunch of other conservative people who didn't go to the theater. Like, look at this movie poster. She's Barbie. He's just Ken look at that, that's so sexist. And it's like, that's the point, is that she's taking him for granted because Ken is an accessory to Barbie. Just like women were accessories to men for so many years. Like, it's a point. It is a point. And like, I don't think, even the beginning made me cry though, because I don't think, unless you're a little girl who Barbie inspired you to be whatever you want to be, I don't know if it would hit the same way. I cried because I don't think, I heard Margaret Robbie talking about, that, like, when women couldn't even have their own bank accounts, Barbie was on her own, with her own money, living on her own, in her own apartment, being a fashion model, being a professional, becoming a doctor, becoming a lawyer. You know, uh, Barbie in the 60s, they changed her eyes from looking to the side and being subservient to looking straight ahead. Like, like, Barbie was the first, like, doll to, like, look ahead and, like, meet your eyes because she wasn't subservient to anyone. She was her own person with her own bodily autonomy. And I think it's so important to teach all children. But when we were little kids, you know, and I hope it doesn't go back to this point, but I think we were still catching up on feminism and giving women all the same rights as men. And, you know, all people, really, um... Now we just have to work on uh, giving trans people and gay people and non-binary people the same rights as everyone else. But, you know, when I, in the 90s, like there was feminism had come a long way. But like we needed Barbie as little girls to tell us that we could be so many different things And that beginning, it is very funny where they're smashing the baby dolls. But it is true. Like, it's great to be a mom, but you shouldn't have to be something you don't want to be. And I think the movie does give you that arc with Ken and Barbie where you can choose your own path. And that's what's really important. That's the best thing that Barbie taught us. And yeah, she's blonde and everything's pink and it's fun and silly. But really, it gives you the opportunity to be whatever the fuck you want to be. And that's why Barbie is important, even though it is a toy. And it's definitely a cash grab by uh, Mattel. It, uh, Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie spearheading it, I think, really made it something much better that i did not expect from a barbie movie
1: i know i mean that's the thing it's like they did a really good job of even the trailers it was a lot of like the really like funny one line dialogue so you really didn't know what the movie was about going into it and so there was a lot of like emotional surprises i mean i'm just gonna say one of the best lines in the whole film is we we mothers stand still so our daughters can look back and see how far they've come like i'm just like dude and all i get was sweet all I can think of is, like, my mom would have loved this movie. Like, I know my mom would love this movie. And she would have watched yeah. Oppenheimer with me, too. And she would have been able to talk with me about a lot of the things <laughs> in Oppenheimer. Uh, but she would have had a really good time
0: at Barbie. Yeah, she would have. And Barbie was a good t- Barbie is a good time. And I don't think people should take it, even though there are serious parts, I don't think you should take it too seriously. Because I think that's probably the wrong approach to Barbie. Just going in, having fun, if you're of a, a legal age and don't have and uh, f- have a good relationship with alcohol, have a drink. definitely beforehand. It's very fun. But you know, even without it, I feel like it was still really fun to go see it. There were like there were little kids in ours too. It also I had a bunch of people asking, can my kids under 13 see it? And I was like, there's no nudity. There's very little cursing. Um, the one f bomb is is blocked out by a Mattel sign, which is hilarious. and like there's like references to them not having genitals, but it's not sexual at all. Yeah, I was like, I feel like and any any person could probably see this of any age. I don't know if like I, I feel like the colors might distract a six year old, but I feel like probably better for like a seven year old and up i would guess yeah but that's what I, fun i had a family member that
1: actually asked that same question mm-hmm. she's like her daughter is nine she's like do you think she'd be okay seeing it i said honestly i was like she saw guardians of the galaxy volume three
0: so yes i think she can handle barbie <laughs> yeah barbie barbie's pretty tame it, but it's not i told my mom i was like it reminds me of the humor of Rugrats, because if you watch Rugrats as an adult, there's all this innuendo that you would never catch as a child. Or even like Hey Arnold, where there's like adult jokes, but they're double entendres or innuendo where children are not going to pick up on it. And therefore they'll enjoy that part of the experience and you can enjoy like the double entendre part.
1: Yeah, the classic. <laughs> is- Sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. (laughs) No, I was like, classic Nickelodeon was, like, so great in that respect.
0: So Yes. Because your parents weren't bored by watching the television series. Like, you could both enjoy it. And that's kind of the humor Barbie has. Yeah. So, I would definitely say parental guidance suggested, but it's really pretty tame, I would say. In my opinion, it's, it's pretty relevant for everybody. And I... It's, I, it is definitely not all men are evil. No. I feel like it was pretty clear with that fact. And I don't understand where people are getting that narrative. But it, I mean, it is going to be, it's going to mean more to people who grew up playing with Barbies because it's nostalgic.
1: I will say the only thing I can, n- no men in this film are presented as evil. It's more like maybe clueless or like scheming. And so like, even, okay, so even the dad, American Friera's husband in the movie, like, <laughs> he, they do a little cutaway of him, like, trying to learn Spanish. But so, I... It's very funny. But once again, it's kind of like, there's no, like, they don't paint, like, there is no male character, male antagonist that I just didn't like. Like, Ken is set up kind of like the antagonist, but even he's so likable because he's so goofy. Yeah.
0: Well, he's not trying yeah. to be a bad guy. He thinks he's doing the right thing. And in a way he is because if they didn't bring the patriarchy there would they have ever changed how they treated the Kens? Probably yeah. not. So it's kind of like it's kind of like when you're in a relationship and maybe there's like something bubbling under the surface that you're afraid to talk about but then you bring it up and then you talk about it and then even though like it was a rough conversation your relationship is 20 times better afterwards cuz everybody's on the same page and being honest with each other. That's what happened. You know, and I feel like that's a pretty good lesson to learn is, like, you should always talk it through and, like, always don't take people for granted. Like, I felt like it was actually, like, a really good lesson to learn. And it is about bodily autonomy and autonomy for everybody, not just women, not just men. For everybody. I keep saying women and men. But also, oh, also everyone's mad because there was a Barbie in it that is played by a trans woman. Um, Dr. Barbie, she's the one that says flat feet, which is like the best, one of the best lines. It was very well delivered. Um, She also was in The Idol as this journalist. I could not remember her name when we were doing The Idol, and so I didn't mention her, but she was a really good part, and now I'm blanking her name again. Fuck. Yeah, (laughs) uh,
1: her name begins with H. H. It's like, It's a
0: really pretty name, and I'm blanking, but she's great, and I mean, the Barbie isn't transgender, she's just barbie also Barbies don't have genitals so stop worrying about what's in That's Barbies true. Pants, because it's nothing so why would it matter? There's also <laughs> a, a bionic Barbie so there's an actress
1: that plays one of the Barbies and her arm is bionic and I was watching because she made a TikTok of it and then like during the dancing scene she wasn't comfortable with the bionic arm and dancing so Greta let her remove her arm during the dancing scene which I thought was like really cool too so
0: yeah Greta Gerwig yeah. is like a very uh, she has a lot of representation in her cast and yeah there's people in in wheelchairs and there's like every kind of barbie you could ever imagine and i will say barbie has gotten more inclusive since we were kids oh harry neff or harry neff yes she's great i think she's really good and again unless you knew like i don't here's the thing transgender actors should be able to transition and be treated as what and be cast as whatever gender they've transitioned to you shouldn't be put in a box if you can only play transgender characters I just I feel like that's not fair, and I feel like like acting doesn't require you to be the exact same as the character you are. Well, it's things like race are maybe like you can't really fake that, you know. It's, it's blackface is bad, but like I, I don't I'm not offended by a transgender woman playing a part that was meant for a biological woman because guess what? It's a movie I can't tell anyways. And why would I fucking care if she's the best person for the part? cast her and i think she did a fantastic job i
1: actually haven't heard anyone say anything negative about her i don't i don't know if that's something that just happened oh, for the conservatives page. had oh it's I the must, conservatives
0: i must be friends with all the right people then cuz i honestly you are. have you Well, not. No, <laughs> so... i just like i just like watching people like ben shapiro oh god freak well, out. that's why i don't watch him i watch rm brown and majority report and like very left wing i wouldn't say left wing left leaning youtube channels where they are laughing at the absurdity and sharing it so i don't give them views but i can also laugh at how ridiculous they are for losing their tempers because a woman transitioned and then you know played a barbie i'm like she's a barbie who the fuck cares none of those little girls are even gonna know yeah so why would you even bring it's so stupid just leave leave trans people alone for god's sake Sorry. No, <laughs> it just bothers me. I just, but I just she did can't... a great
1: job. I think it always is like mind blowing to me that there's actually people, I guess. So it's not that I live life with goggles on, but it's like because I think most of my friends are liberal or at least they're moderate. Yeah. I don't hear like those type of hateful things. So it's just like kind of mind blowing to me when I hear like you talk about them because I'm just like, yeah, oh, people I mean, still
0: like what the hell is wrong with people? I don't know. I don't understand it. I have, like, half of my family is very liberal and half of it is more conservative. But it, but some of the conservative people in my family are very loud and very conspiracy theory and they are obviously drinking the wrong kind of Kool-Aid. And it's very sad. And I have had people in my life go down this path of being radicalized by the right. And it's very sad to watch that happen. And I've had to cut people out of my life because they just got too hateful. And, you know, I can't be around that anymore. But I generally feel I want to believe that people can change and people have the capacity to change. I do believe that people have the capacity to change, which is why I try not to, like, completely cut people out if they're not hurting me. Because I'm like, maybe if I just offer them the logical side enough times, maybe they will see the light. And some people do. A lot of people do. But you can't live in an echo chamber and expect to change, which I guess is why I don't, I don't cut all of those family members. It's not my direct family. It's like distant relatives. But, you know, I don't cut them off completely because I I don't, I don't want them to be in their echo chamber because that's the real problem is people get in an echo chamber and they don't hear other point of views And they don't know there is an option, you know, and I don't know. Anyways, but I will say there are people who are very upset about it. It's the same people who are like, it's just all men are evil. I'm like, you guys just want to hate the Barbie movie because it has been the most successful movie of 2023. Yeah. And it was written and directed by a woman. It was produced by a woman. And it stars a bunch of people of all genders and races and creeds and everyone's getting along harmoniously and you're just upset about that and shut up because barbie's kind of always been like that at least since we were kids it has gotten better though yeah they used to only have one kind of barbie and you know she was like white barbie blonde barbie redheaded barbie brunette barbie and black barbie and maybe One Asian Barbie, I feel like I had Mulan as a Barbie. And she was cool because her legs moved because she had to kick people's asses. But there wasn't a lot of representation. There was some representation. It was like a cast of a teenage slasher flick, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That demograph. But it's gotten so much better where little girls can pick out a Barbie doll that looks like them. Yeah. And I think that's the. Like, there's even Barbies with hearing aids and stuff, and, and with like Down syndrome and things like that. And yeah, I'm, like, that's beautiful
1: you can can create your own barbie and i did see that that, i forgot what place there is that you can create your own barbie but like yeah you can make them look like you and i think there's been people with disabilities that have gone and made their barbies look like them which i mean just shout out to greta gerwig again i had like i saw francis hall years ago i like francis hall but little women was the movie so me Me and Mom, like, I love Little Woman. Oh, I like Lady Bird. Oh, Lady Bird is so good,
0: too. Lady Bird is so good. It's good. I love... Also, if you went... It's a a good, like, Catholic school trauma video.
1: Well, it's like, (laughs) Saoirse... Saoirse Ronan is, like, definitely, like, one of the best actresses of, like, this generation. She's just incredible. But Little Women, I'll never forget because I I grew up with the book, loved the book, actually read like all the books, including Joe's Boys and Little Men. And when I got a free day to finally see Little Women in the theater, I, I got the last seat at the AMC. And so I was seated between like this 70 year old woman and like this 15 year old girl. And we all cried at the same point. So I'm like, God, imagine taking a book that's like over, I guess, 150 years old and making it so modern that people could still connect with it. And I don't know. There's just so some something so very touching about that movie. And I'm so grateful for that movie. And I'm so glad she took on that adaptation. So I mean like I think she was the perfect person to take on this movie. I don't know what this movie would look like in someone else's hands, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, I think it was the right everything and I think the movie is really good. And it is it, it is deep in points, but it's not too deep. So I think you can just go... There's lessons to be learned, but it's not slapping you in the face with it. And unlike what people would have you believe, apparently. Because I was like, I do not really feel like the lessons were slapped in my face. I kind of felt they were, like, lightly touched on. You know? Yeah. It's also a Barbie movie, so stop taking it so seriously, for God's sake.
1: I guess, like... I guess, like, just turning around back to Oppenheimer real quick before we we briefly touch on if we watched anything else. It's like... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think this was, like, an amazing, like, week at the movies with Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yeah. They're both very different movies. But I do like the conversations that Oppenheimer has kind of once again brought to the forefront with nuclear warfare. And, like, even... Because the thing is, I know me and Katie have talked about this on the podcast before, but when I was a very young child, I saw like Grave of the Fireflies and stuff. So I saw this unique kind of like what war does to children and civilians. So I've always like had a tender spot in my heart. But then also watching Oppenheimer and just hearing so many different cases of like for it versus against it. I don't know. It's just, I think it's so brilliant that we're still having these discussions and they're very thoughtful discussions and one of the things that, and I don't know how you felt about this scene, Katie. I actually loved how it kind of subverted expectations and this is a spoiler for Oppenheimer. Um, So we do not see the bombing of Hiroshima or Nagasaki and I think that was a really Uh brilliant call. But what we do see is Oppenheimer imagining what would happen to Americans if it happened to them and I thought that was like a very haunting choice that they did that. And like you see, mm. so like you see like someone's skin fl- fraying off of them. And that's actually uh, Chris Nolan's daughter. That he casts, of all people, as, like, the young woman that you see her skin kind of coming off. But then you see mm-hmm. people crying, and it's like, are they crying? Is this reflecting, like, the Japanese citizens who have lost loved ones. And you see another guy throwing up, and it's like, is he vomiting because of the implications of it? Or is he, uh, like, representing, like, people with, like, a radiation sickness? So there's, like, all these, like, brilliant little beats that kind of like it. It shows how Oppenheimer becomes so against the hydrogen bomb, which of course is like the big the big core of the story. After the Trinity test, is like, why are you as an American so against these bombings? Like, what made you change
0: your mind? Well, that's something I wish they had touched on more, and they didn't. Yeah. he basically ran away from America and lived on an island for a while until basically he was. All at the end of his life because he regretted what he did, yeah, very much so. And a lot of people, I'm torn. I kind of feel like I don't think so. Oppenheimer's banned in Japan right now, so oh, interesting. I have not heard that on Twitter today. Okay, told me because I don't, I don't, oh, I'm sorry, X, my god. Um, but basically people in Japan are kind of upset because they're like are like, I guess we can't see Barbie because of the Barbenheimer thing and so then some people in Japan were like well how would you feel if they made a movie about 9 and it was like associated with the Barbie movie and then someone made a Barbie movie and Osama Bin Laden crossover meme to like be like see how would you feel about it but I mean let's face it, Americans are emotionally broken. So then everyone just started making memes about Barbie bombing the twin towers, which is not funny. Oh yeah. But it is like, it's, I don't know in, in America we have gallows humor. Yeah. And that is kind of how we deal with trauma. And I'm not sure if I, I don't, I've never lived in Japan, but I'm, I'm wondering if maybe that's just not a cultural thing at all in Japan. And, and I don't think, Hiroshima and Nagasaki are not something people like to joke about there yeah and I think that's a big reason why they're not showing it right now at least that's the word I got is that they're not showing Oppenheimer so people aren't watching Barbie as much because it got associated with it that's very interesting yeah and I again this is I literally was told this like an hour before I didn't do any research. So maybe next week I'll be like, Oh wait, that was a whole meme. Cause maybe, maybe someone's just making this up or something and it's a troll. But I do think like no other country has been bombed by nuclear weapons. So I'm not going to tell Japanese people how they have to feel about a movie. And part of me is like, I focus a lot on the aftermath of it and what it did Two generations afterwards. Yeah. And I feel like that would have been a good thing to hammer home. Because I don't think people really think about that. Because Japan is thriving now, but it wasn't for a long time. But then on the other hand, I don't think it would have been okay to show actual victims of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Because their faces have already been plastered all over everything and i i think it's it's distasteful. well i and not only that i think it's almost like
1: it pornographic isn't the word but what i'm looking for is almost like obsessive it's
0: like sensational sensational thank
1: you sensational something that really happened Yeah.
0: yeah and so like i but they do show them reacting to pictures that they're not showing the audience but they're showing the scientists i don't know that's the part that i wish they'd focused on more to hammer that home but it became more but it's more about oppenheimer and not that's just one part of that movie but yeah. i mean I, I can't really blame people for being upset about it i wouldn't want to see a movie about something tragic i don't watch any of those 9-11 movies because honestly i'm like uh i experienced it as a kid I have no interest in watching a movie about it well, at this point. That's
1: what that's what the final lines of the movie are essentially about. Yeah, I looked it up finally. <laughs> yeah, and that's can, what, yeah, and that's what it's like. So when he meets again with Albert Einstein and he's talking, you know, about that, it's like that's what really like drives it home, like the true core of like what haunted Oppenheimer as a man is like, you know, I think we did do this. And, I mean, yeah. that is absolutely chilling. Um,
0: I I will say, I think. Oh, I, I, okay. Now, Reddit's saying that Oppenheimer wasn't banned in Japan. Okay. Yeah, So, I was maybe cu- it was a troll.
1: I was curious because
0: I was about to research it once we got
1: off to talk about it next week. Because I've, I would figure with all the news sites I follow that somebody would have mentioned that by now. So, But it
0: doesn't have a release date
1: yet. My personal opinion is that I I could not imagine the amount of pain and suffering. But what I do think that we need to acknowledge is that when movies like this surface, it it helps us remember that these awful things did happen. And it opens this conversation for us not to forget that these awful things happen. And to have a discourse, because, you know, my um, co-worker who's a history major, me and him talk about this a lot. And we talk about of course like, you know, the atomic bomb was made because it's like we have to kill Hitler, we have to kill Hitler. And then when Hitler was dead, they were like, We have to make Japan They, kept they did. But then yeah. what my coworker always says, he's like, but if we hadn't done it, someone else would have. And he's like, and it it's scary to think is someone else would have been yeah. the first. And that is the very hard Side of history to talk about because all I think about is you know, innocent people, children dying that were didn't have anything to do with this war. But then you also, I don't know, it's very complicated, but I am glad that if, like, if someone who's 16 or 17 years old sees this movie and it causes them to have conversations with their peers like this. I, I think that is important. Just, like, I think it's important that we yeah. still talk about the Holocaust. Like,
0: Definitely. You
1: know, so, I mean, World War Two is endlessly fascinating, but it's also endlessly horrible.
0: It is. It's one of those, like, I'm glad, I'm, I mean, I'm glad the movies bring up that. But, yeah, um, it's just, it's really, it's a tough thing to talk about. But, you know, especially with Russia... Yeah. Threatening war. Oh my god. They don't get to take over Ukraine. I'm like, are you kidding me? Geez Louise. Also, like I'm we used to have people that listened in Russia, and I noticed like ever since the war in Ukraine struck out and Russia got kind of there's a wall up on their internet. We no longer have people who listen. And I wonder if they're able to listen through like a VPN or anything. If you're listening We still love y'all, the people of Russia, but Putin's a fucking dick. I think they probably agree for the most part. But hopefully that's not something we have to deal with. But it is something that is ever-present on my mind personally because of a decision that people like Oppenheimer made. And I know that at the time it seemed like the right decision because, yes, if Hitler had actually made a nuclear bomb, absolutely it would have been worse. Much worse but it's still bad yeah that that's a possibility so yeah i don't know it's ugh, yeah. it's amazing but,
1: it's just like barbie and oppenheimer they both like oppenheimer gives you like one type of crisis and then uh, barbie gives you a existentialist crisis so i mean you know it's yeah, all, it's it's all more good. existential definitely yeah like
0: we're all we're just but, having crisis in the movie theaters it's i think fine. they're both good i would say if you don't love if if Sitting in a theater watching people talking a lot is going to bore you. Wait until Oppenheimer comes on streaming, but definitely still check it out regardless. Um, Barbie, I would say go see it in theaters because it's going to be the best experience. I saw – maybe it's because I didn't see it in IMAX. I saw Oppenheimer, like, in a really nice theater, like, with good seating and stuff, but not on IMAX. And I honestly, like, the training test was beautiful, but it was, it didn't, like, blow me away Visually, it was beautiful, but it was kind of like, okay, that was really well rendered tight. Awesome. So I wouldn't say you have to see it in theaters. I would say... It's okay to watch this one at home. It is really good though, and it probably will get nominated for a lot yeah. of Oscars. And see, I'm 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 the opposite.
1: I will agree, if like you're not gonna do well in a three hour movie, then yeah, stay home. But if you love movies, you have to go see this one. And IMAX is shot on IMAX cameras. It's absolutely gorgeous in IMAX, but that's also just uh, that's me. That's me. I was, I've, I was like, yeah, I gotta see this fucking oh. thing in IMAX. And I, I loved it. So I. We were
0: gonna try, but we couldn't find a showing near where we were that was showing it in IMAX mm-hmm. at a time that we could make. So we're like, eh, whatever. Yeah. I like, mean, it's fine. It's all it's preference. <laughs> it's all preference. Of course, like, my, my other
1: film-loving friend is, like, the same way that he was like, I'm going to drive to wherever I have to see this thing in IMAX. And then our friend Dalton... It's the same way too. So yeah, so I think it just depends on the yeah. person for sure. But I
0: Maybe I, if I had seen it in IMAX, I would No, I wouldn't have. I think it's a great film. It's a great film. It didn't emotionally hit me like Barbie did or like a, like or like uh everything everywhere all at once yeah. did, you know? So like and I'm not it, that does everyone does a great job and it's a beautiful film. What I do love about Christopher Nolan is his attention to detail and his innovation in the filmmaking process. I think he's fantastic at that and he's very accurate when it comes to historical like presentation. I think he's great. I just think sometimes like I think I love Christopher Nolan, but I I think sometimes his movies emotionally are a bit hollow and I don't think that's because he's hollow. I just think he's so much more story and action-driven that... Because because here's the thing. Oppenheimer isn't a very emotional person in the film. I don't know if he was in real life, but he wasn't a super emotional person in the film. He gets emotional, like, twice in the whole movie. And you only see it for a brief second when he's grieving Gene. He really doesn't get emotional very often. And that maybe is, for me, maybe that's why I didn't, like feel an emotional connection a core but it's still a really good movie and i still think it's very interesting if you like science and you're interested in how people figure that kind of stuff out i think it's interesting but it kind of lacked some sincerity that i would have preferred that would have made it would have hooked me in more i think
1: and see i I I, oh, no. I I was nauseated at the end of the movie like I was sick at the end of the movie. Like I, I didn't cry during Oppenheimer. It didn't elicit that kind of response for me. There are people who did cry uh, during Oppenheimer. I wasn't one of them. That's I did cry during Barbie. Yeah, I did cry during Barbie. But I, Oppenheimer still. Did do something to me. It made me really think, and it it made me have Must a be very the IMAX. It made me have a very long conversation with Taylor about different things. And once again, looking it up, and uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, Oppenheimer is not super emotional in the film. Interesting enough, though, when he was a a younger man, he had like severe bouts of depression. And one day, one of his friends was like. I went, hey, I got something nice to tell you that's going to bring you out of that. I'm getting married. I'm engaged. And he, like, tried to strangle his friend after that. So, I'm like, so, yeah, there's probably something. He had some uh, issues. Yeah, there's probably something undiagnosed there. But that's the thing about, like, the 20s, 30s, and 40s. There was things that we now have names for that they didn't back then. So, I don't really know. I I need to read American Prometheus just too. Because I feel like just, and that happens... And I did tell my friend this, too. I said, Oppenheimer is a beautiful movie. But I said, this is another one that I think if it had been a limited series, we would have seen a lot more fleshed out. Maybe
0: we would have learned more about Jean. And Kitty, too. Yeah. And Kitty. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I guess we do, we do need to talk about and Just Like That. But also, another movie. I won't... I won't mention too much about this movie because I think it would be a good one to do on the podcast, but I finally watched Men oh. by Alex
1: Garland. Have you gotten to watch it yet? I haven't. I need to because is it available okay. on Stars for streaming?
0: Showtime, Showtime. I believe. Showtime, okay. Um, I do believe it's Showtime because it's an A24 film and Showtime usually shows A24 movies after a certain point. So, it's directed by Alex Garland, who did Annihilation Ex Machina. Um, he also wrote 28 Days Later, speaking of Killian Murphy. Oh, yeah. 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 I was like, I did not know that. Oh, also, Killian Murphy's kind of up for doing another one. Oh, Look for yeah. that. Yes. Also, two
1: very, very quick, fun uh, Killian Murphy facts. And I just forgot one already. Oh, no. Yeah. One. So, they he did say if they ever did a Barbie 2, he's like, yeah, send me the script. I could play again. So, he did say that. I was like, that'd be the best crossover. That's ever. cute. Two, we all know I love Once in the swell season. Killian Murphy was originally supposed to be the lead in Once
0: and oh. dropped out. Yeah. You know, I started watching Peaky Blinders finally this week after years of saying, I need to watch that. It's fucking good. He's great. You gotta oh, I love me some Killian Murphy.
1: He has yeah, a really yeah. cool
0: haircut in it. Also, he's not starving himself for the role, so he looks good. Um, He looks healthy. But I had heard... A lot of people saying men was like, very much like Barbie, like an anti-man movie. And that is not the opinion I got. I actually had the opinion that it was an exploration of grief and deconstructing trauma from an abusive relationship, divorce, and just processing emotions. And I would love to unpack it on a full episode because I got the complete opposite of what everyone was saying it was like preachy and it went too far and I was just like I don't know if I just really like Alex Garland movies or if people just read too much into like the name men because I feel like the name made a lot of people think that's what it was about but it really wasn't about that it was really more about grief and I kind of wish they had named it something else yeah so I would say definitely watch it I I think I'll probably be picking it at some point in the future because it was there's a lot to talk about a lot to talk about with that movie and is very interesting and it is very much a body horror film nice but but a really beautifully done body horror film and it takes a while to get gross so but when it is gross I mean you saw Annihilation Oh yeah I love Annihilation like, Yeah that's another movie we need to do. But, anyways, I finally watched it. It was good. I, I really liked it. I, I think I probably like Annihilation better. Annihilation disturbed me more. Men, I feel like I got the meaning. And maybe it's because I've been through something, not the same, but a similar relationship thing that I had to deconstruct that I was kind of like, oh, I understand what this movie's talking about. So maybe if you haven't gone through being in an abusive relationship and deconstructed that, maybe it wouldn't make sense. And not saying, like I, know, like, I don't want anyone to go through that. I'm just saying, you know, the girls that get it, get it kind of thing. I was like, I, I get what you're putting down. At least I think I get what he's putting down. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's how I interpreted it. So... I thought it was interesting. It was very much more. His his movies are just so much more cerebral, too. But like, without being overly cerebral, I don't know. Did you watch anything other than and just like that? I'm trying to think if
1: I did. Uh, I'm like usually I write it down, so I'm like, wait one second. Oh, you
0: go on. I watched my Happy Marriage. Oh yay! I did it watch was my cute, Happy, but it, I had to. I had to turn it off for after the second episode for a couple like a day because like it made me really sad it is very sad (laughs) her stepmom and her daughter assholes Her sister too i gotta walk away from this also why are all the mean people blonde in that thing i was like why is she blonde oh just why her sister girl blonde her dad her dad and stepmom are brunettes just her sister's blonde and her husband's her
1: husband's blonde but, but i was good. just like
0: of course the blonde girl's a bitch
1: but her Fuck. husband her husband's a good man or well her fiance he's See, her fiance. my bully
0: was a brunette so maybe that's why i never had a blonde bully oh. all of my bullies were brunettes
1: and it it's funny because all mine were blonde or redheads interesting See?
0: yeah Isn't that weird? But it was good. I would suggest it. I can't wait for the second season because, like, it kind of left on a cliffhanger.
1: Uh, On what show?
0: My Happy Marriage. No, no,
1: no, no, no. It's uh, it's episodes. Do episodes premiere every Wednesday.
0: Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. It didn't say that. So I was when I was watching it on my app, so I was like, is that where it ends? Well, fuck. It's a manga. I would think that it would have more episodes. I was really excited for a while there, because I had (laughs) Tuesdays
1: were How I Met Your Father, Wednesday was My Happy Marriage, Thursday was in Just Like That, and Fridays I have Outlander. Yep, You got
0: all the regulars. But, uh, oh, and RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars ended, but if you have something else, talk about that first. No,
1: I, I really don't. I really don't, but I know we have to do it and just like that, and we're probably heading into like yeah. the last 20 minutes of the show, so.
0: Yes. Well, Jimbo won. So, yay, Jimbo! Um, but I kind of knew that was going to happen. Candy did a good job, but Jimbo deserved the win, and uh, the only thing I will say, so if you watched drag race all stars eight very quickly alexis was fucking tripping she like had a crush on la la ri and then she eliminated la la ri after telling her she wasn't going to eliminate her and then she got eliminated like the next episode which was great but then she came back and she was like, oh, I'm sorry. Which and then she asked La La Ree, what's your like real name? And La La Ree like made up two different names. It was really funny. And then La La Ree ended up winning the fame games, which means like it was like a, basically the miscongeniality of that season, and she won a bunch of money. So good for you, La La And Alexis made a fool of herself, and that was just sad. Because I like her drag daughter, Jan, and I, like, she's not untalented. Alexis is talented, but she just, like, she tried to be sneaky, and then it just completely blew up in her face. So, it was interesting, but I'm glad Jimbo won. But yes, uh, other than that, I did watch some other stuff, but I think we can skip them for this week. We'll, I'll make it next week. And just like that. Yeah, and just like that. Another week, another couple episodes of this torture uh, i'm just kidding
1: i was about to say just
0: it's okay it's okay okay it's the word we're gonna use for it <laughs> so so the two episodes we watched or that came out after last week's last sidetracks is bomb cyclone and february 14th yeah what did you think Oh uh, why did i just
1: completely blanked on okay bomb oh bomb cyclone is the one with the, the snow day oh the widow's convention okay but they don't like it being called yes. Widow Convention. Um and then February fourteenth is we'll just call it the Aiden episode. Yeah. Uh yeah, how'd you feel? I didn't think they were I didn't think they were like bad. They were okay. They were okay. I actually really <laughs> like in the widows episode because I like when sex in the series sex in the series, what? When sex in the city sex was and the city. yeah, I mean sex in the series. When sex in the city was at its best, it was able to combine like humor with like heart. And so to have, like, like you know, the, the lady giving this great speech about her, her husband that passed, and it's, like, very comedical, and Carrie's afraid to follow that, and then afterward, the lady approaches her, and it's just like, I read your book, and, you know, it meant so much to me, and, you know, thank you. And yeah. I, I like that kind of stuff. I mean, it's still, I think they're trying to find their footing with the Miranda storyline. I think Miranda's storyline is suffering the worst. <sighs>
0: Oh, yeah. So, I started re-watching Sex and the City to go to sleep on Saturday. And so, I've watched, like, the first three and a half seasons. And I take back the things I said about Shay's character. Because it's really... It definitely is not Shay. It's Miranda. It's not even Miranda's relationship with Shay. It's Miranda. She really is not Miranda anymore. Yeah. And it's sad. Because I really... I do feel like Charlotte is still Charlotte and but but a a matured and grown like grown up charlotte and i feel like carrie is a matured carrie in a good way like carrie a lot of her flaws are still there but she's grown a lot as a person i feel like miranda is definitely not the same character but she hasn't grown any yeah either and i i don't even understand this character And I don't think they understand her. And I feel bad. Now, Che and Miranda do break up at the end of the Bomb Cyclone episode, which is good. Because, again, that relationship just wasn't working out. It was making everything worse. But then they do a huge backtrack. And then Steve's apparently moved on, too. So now it's like, okay. And it's fine that Miranda... If if Miranda and Steve aren't going to end up together, okay, whatever that's fine that is
1: like a great acting moment though that was like a great bit of dialogue that feels like they completely undo it in the next scene but when he like has the emotional like i built this home and she's like but you know my yeah. name is on it and he's like you didn't want any of this i'm like damn i mean because you could yeah. see that character really saying those type of things when he's pushed to that point of being so angry because that oh yeah Steve is great. I love that part. I love that part. But then how it's just so nonchalantly like, I'm not the victim in the next scene. Which I'm not saying he is. But at the same time, it felt, it just kind of undid how serious that previous scene was for me.
0: Yeah. And then Miranda going, I mean, I knew Shay was going to break with with Miranda when she was like, they, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I knew, sorry, let me start that over again. I knew Shay was going to break up with Miranda when they were listening to Carrie's speech. And they were like, oh, you got to move on and you got to know when to move on. And I was like, okay, Shay is definitely breaking up with Miranda. Because like th- their relationship just wasn't, it was a fling. It wasn't a relationship. It was never going to be a relationship. But... It was still, like, I I know they're like, oh, Miranda got broken up with twice in one day. (laughs) But Miranda already broke up with Steve a long time ago, so I don't understand how that's that. But okay. But it was more like a meme than, like, emotional. And I was just kind of like, okay. Now, the good thing is, I think Che at least... Still being involved. I like their character more. (laughs) Like, all of a sudden on February 14th, I was like, oh, look at Che picking up that stray dog. Oh, that's cool. Oh, they're going to work at a vet clinic. Oh, that's cool. Like, I immediately was like, tight. I actually really like this character now that they're not dating Miranda.
1: Yeah, so, it that's seems, a good thing.
0: <laughs> it seems like they maybe also took a
1: lot of complaints, maybe from the first season, and were like, "Yeah, we gotta yeah. we gotta give Che a better story and like flesh the yes. character out a lot more." Because you do see a lot more flushing her, flushing them out. You see a yes. lot more fleshing out of the character, so like you find Which out that they were married, and they're still in like a kind of like kind of bo- still married, technically. Yeah, still married in kind of like a booty call-ish
0: relationship, friends with Benefit. Yeah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. yeah. I I am liking Chase now that not in a terrible relationship with the the character formerly known as Miranda. I mean, I, and I hate that, that also, like, I hate that kind of nothing came of the modeling thing, except that Rock was just like, Mom, you're being a Karen, and I don't want to model anymore. <laughs> and um, I'm I'm excited to see what their life holds in store. I also like that a couple of the other characters got some more screen time. I liked the shit Chris Jackson and his wife, uh, Liza. Yeah, Liza. Lisa, 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 Lisa with a Z, Lisa, Lisa. I like Lisa and Herbert's um, little thing where she's like, he's like, oh, I got a campaign thing. She's like, but my movie premiere, you know, at this very important, it was at the Met, I think. Uh, Was it at the Met? It was at, it was at a very famous place and I can't remember, is there and it's been there, you know, it's been on the books longer and he shows up and it's very sweet. Like, that was nice. And yeah, and then... I did like the widow con. I also, I kind of liked Miranda going on an awkward date. Oh, yeah. That did kind of remind me of Miranda. But I don't know. She's just regressed so much.
1: (laughs) I guess it's because, like, she's so, like, ready to, like, push past the whole, like, Che and Steve, like, relationship and everything. But it's also, like, as soon as like, if I was fully dressed and someone answered the door in, like, sweats, I would be like, oh, are, am I early? Like, I would definitely <laughs> okay. do something to insinuate that, okay. like, there's something weird.
0: <laughs> However, I will say, <laughs> my first date with my current boyfriend, Scott, we met for a movie over, like, the Thanksgiving holiday... And i showed up i wasn't in a dress but i was like in my nice you know my cute brown boots and my nice like v-neck sweater and my jeans and um he showed up in uh shorts and a t-shirt a nice t-shirt a laundered t-shirt and i was like oh fuck, what the fuck is in store for me <laughs> but i will say we ended up having like the movie we watched was terrible, but we ended up like talking in the rain for like an hour after the movie. And like it was a great date and it led to other things. I will. So I'm saying, usually, yes, I would be like, they didn't dress up for the date. But I will say, Scott is just a very casual person who doesn't dress up for anything unless it's like, like he dressed up for Barbie and stuff, but he just like is so go with the flow. And chill, which is something I am not, which is very refreshing for me. But he understands that I like to dress up and doesn't, like, put any pressure on me to dress up if I don't want to. And doesn't, like, say, hey, we got to go if I'm dressing up. Which is a great thing. But changing your date plans from going out to staying in and still not dressing up... That would be weird. What I'm saying is, it could be the start of an okay thing, but it could also be a giant red flag. Yeah. I don't know. I think Miranda was like, well, you know, she's just more, like, chill than me. Okay, but then, like, she's stepping in, like, cat poop, and then she was- the thing that got me was her touching- everything with her hands after she touched cat poop. Well, and then also,
1: like, asking
0: Miranda if she had quarters, like, if she could borrow, like, quarters. I'm like, oh, no. And, like, locking her cat in the bathroom but not telling her where she could pee if she needed to. It was just, like, it was a lot of, like, yellow to orange flags. It all was, like, a big red flag. Yeah. But I kind of feel bad. It was funny, but I'm also like, poor Miranda. She just, like, can't get it right. Like, she's either, like... (laughs) You know, like, in a really, like, you know, she gets to divorced to date this person that she's really attracted to, but then practically it doesn't work out. I mean, that's always Miranda's relationships, though. She always dates people who, like, aren't on the same wavelength as her, like, with their jobs and their schedules. And then it doesn't work out. Like, that was her relationship with Steve the first time they dated. The first two times they dated, that happened. And then with Che, and now this person, like I don't know. You would think now that she's not a lawyer, or not working, she would have more time to be chill. And I love. I do love how like the other single lady on the series
1: is Naya, and she's just like so content baking like her chocolate souffle. Like, I'm like, that's beautiful. Because, you know, there would probably be some show somewhere that they would have that storyline. And it's like, Naya would be so, like, crying because she'd be like, I just, I thought this is what I needed and it's not, you know. But instead, no, they don't do that. They don't do something weak. It's like, literally, this woman's just fucking happy, alone on Valentine's
0: Day, eating her chocolate souffle. Cause you can be. That's beautiful. You don't have to be with people on Valentine's you Day. You really don't. Sometimes you can just have a souffle and a glass of your beverage of choice and and just chill the fuck out. Watch some Bridget Jones's diary or just watch something stupid. That sounds like a great evening. Like it's a fantastic evening. Play some video games. Do something fun. Get out the vibrator. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, why not? Do you. Yeah. Um <laughs> but you know (laughs) sorry mom that was (laughs) if my mom's listening (laughs) but um no it is that was nice i like naya and of course i guess we should talk about aiden and it was oh wait lisa and herbert's son not fucking in their bed but having his girlfriend take over lisa's closet was kind of funny yeah That was pretty cute. And then Charlotte accidentally getting high. Yeah. Thinking she was having a heart attack. That was pretty funny. That is like a very Charlotte thing. Yes. And then Charlotte's going to go back to work, which I think is great. I'm very excited for her. Something I've been waiting since the first time she quit her job, honestly, for her to do. Um, (laughs) But I guess we should talk about the big date, though. Yeah. So
1: I, I love Aiden. I love the character... I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of how they ended it. Like personally, the oh, episode. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't do this. I can't move past this apartment. I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, there's hotels in the city. I'm like, oh God, really? Aiden. Yeah. Stop hurting yourself. Well, more than that, it's like, okay, if you if you want a fling, just have it as a fling. But obviously they're meaning for him to come back. It's in the previous season the next episode, so it's gonna be a lot longer than just some
0: one episode appearance. Like, Well, I have so I'm stuck in the epi- I'm stuck in the season where Aiden proposes. Right now. That's what the season I'm in. And I so I rewatched the episodes where they got together. Aiden's always been kind of fucking weird. I forgot that. Like, the smoking thing in the first episode where they meet? I mean, I can understand, though, it's a deal-breaker for him. Yeah, but I mean, like, he, like he's like, oh, it's a deal-breaker. And then she's like, oh, well, I'll give him up. And then she has to nicotine up. And... He so he so he, he bends his rules anyways because he likes her. Like, he always says that with Carrie. He's like, Oh, that's a deal breaker, but I really love you, so I'm gonna, but which is not, but she, I'm not saying that's a bad she thing. She gets on the nicotine she does that to patches all the time. She does get on the nicotine yes. patches. So, I mean, so yes, she, she does. She's
1: working like at least she's working towards a goal for him, so maybe that's good enough for him
0: because, like, I, I don't know, but the thing is, like, he fits, He he says he has boundaries, but he bends them for Carrie. And I think that's the crux of why their relationship didn't work out mm, okay. that well. But, because like, because she was always like avoiding, like, she avoids Big, which she should, if she wants to be with Aiden. But then, like, you know, there's the episode where, like, they're fighting, because it's right when they get back together, and he's being kind of an asshole to her. And, and, like, he's like, you broke my heart. I don't want to be in a relationship again with you. But then he comes back anyways. I mean, he always does this. And I'm just like, I like Carrie and Aiden together. But I feel like they're all- he's always making concessions for her. And maybe that's why their relationships tend to not work out in the long run. Because they're not what each other needs. So I was kind of hoping that things would just fall into place naturally and he wouldn't have, like, a caveat again. But then he's like, oh, you still live in that apartment? And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. The fuck? It's, it's a place. I'm not saying you can't have trauma to a place. You totally can. But... Yeah, it just felt like it was a weak ending.
1: Yeah, it's a weak ending. So, I mean, obviously, he's back. I don't know how long he's back, but it's like he's back. And it kind of feels like, oh... Well, we knew we were going to kill Big, so let's have Aiden divorce his wife. And there's no mention of, like, his three sons. Like, <laughs> Carrie knows he has three sons and doesn't even ask about them. Like, oh, how are the boys doing? Oh, you
0: can you believe, like, Tater is well, like, you know. Uh, so. We've got four more episodes, so maybe maybe there'll be an episode where he introduces her to his kids and she's like... I'm not a good mom, and I never was. Didn't want to be a mom. Oh fuck.
1: Yeah, you know, or just something more dynamic, like you know. Now I guess a lot of people will be like, "Well, they're they were old lovers, and they're not just going to talk about his kids." But like, also, last time they saw each other, they were both married and kissed each other while they were both married to their respective spouses. Oh yeah. So yeah, I don't think things don't should know. be like as simple as they were because that caused a lot of issues.
0: You know? I don't know. Yeah. And I do I do like the character of Aiden. I do enjoy John Corbett. I think he's a great actor. And he has aged gracefully. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm like, oh, God, is Aiden... Because I just forgot how weird... And I'm not saying... Listen, I also would not date a smoker because I hate the smell of cigarettes. I... That sounds mean. Like, I have lots of friends who smoke, but they smoke outside. If I had to live with somebody who smoked, my allergies suck, and it would just make me – it's like cats. It's like, I love cats. I can't live with them. And so if somebody had a cat, I'd be like, I don't know if this is going to work in the long run because I don't want to be constantly sick. You know, cigarettes kind of make me – my sinuses really act up, so I can only be around them when it's outside, really. Which would be a deal breaker. It's not a bad thing. But, like, again, Aiden always has a deal breaker with Carrie and he always bends it. And then he's like, I wonder why it didn't work out. I'm like, maybe because you bent all the rules for this person because you want to make it work. But sometimes it just doesn't work out. But that being said, I'm okay with it working out with Aiden. I certainly think Aiden is a nicer and better person than Big ever was. Big was kind of a dick for most of Sex and the City. Yeah. I really liked their dinner up until that point where he was like, oh, this is where you live. I was like, oh, God, not one of these little caveats again, Aiden. Fuck. Yeah. Stop dating her if you (laughs) don't want it to work out. I don't know. Or like when you emailed her, just emailed her back
1: and been like, oh, so do you still live at the apartment you lived at when I first met you?
0: (laughs) If if it's going to be a trigger, make sure that you know... We'll see what happens. Maybe, I was thinking, like, with Big out of the picture, maybe things will be smooth sailing with them. But I guess not, because he's afraid of her apartment. Interesting. Right? Right. (sighs) We'll see. We'll see. But with that, I guess we should say goodnight. I know, my allergies, I need to take my allergy medicine. I'm sounding really stuffy, because my allergies have just kicked into full gear. But uh, next week... Next week we're covering The Call. Yes, right? It's on Netflix. 2020?
1: Yeah, 2020 South Korean film The Call which is on Netflix. But yeah, so
0: we'll see you guys next week with that. Also, FYI, Apple podcast is still showing up the wrong file for our last side tracks, But half the I've had half the people say it was fixed and they could listen to it, and then on Sunday, one of my friends was like it's still not working, and I was like, "Oh, huh." But it seems to be only on Apple Podcasts. So if you listen on Spotify, it should be fine. I meant to say it at the beginning of the episode, but I don't know why Apple Podcasts doesn't update as quickly as other podcast hosting sites. But it seems like they have a hard time, like erasing a old file when you replace it, which happens like pretty often. But apparently it's not us because I've had other friends who have podcasts and they've had the same thing ha- or similar things happen where they just take forever to update. So uh, if you couldn't listen to last sidetracks because it was only three minutes long, uh, try to listen to it on Spotify and you should be able to get the whole episode. So um, with that, I will say good night. Thanks for listening. Be careful out there. Hi. Uh, I know Brittany says this, but make sure... I'll say wear your sunscreen, because she'll say hydrate. Yeah. So wear sunscreen, and be careful in the heat, because it's August now, and uh, August, at least here, is, like, the hottest month of the year, and it's crazy. Yeah. So be careful out there, kids. Yeah. I want to say very
1: quickly, uh, a farewell, good night, and we'll miss you to both Paul Rubens and Angus Cloud uh who we lost yesterday and Sinead
0: o'connor Sinead
1: o'connor too yeah it's been a rough and uh tony bennett yeah tony bennett uh yeah uh it's just really really sad all phenomenal
0: uh performers artists um yeah they will be missed also never be afraid to get help for mental health yeah it. I will say very
1: true. Uh, but yeah, stay hydrated. Wear your sunscreen, as Katie says. in and neuter your pets. I'll always say that. Uh-huh. Uh, keep those little babies off the hot concrete. Uh, we love you guys so much. We look forward to seeing yeah. you next time. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Same poop time. Same spoofy channel. Yes, stay,
0: stay spooky spooky all. y'all. Bye. Bye. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.